Good afternoon and welcome to Community Focus at JJY. I'm Ken Thomas, and today my guest is Tom Nixon. Tom is the regional coordinator for Towards Zero Deaths. Tom, welcome back to Community Focus. Good afternoon. Thanks again. Yeah. Hey, uh, Tom, for our listeners, let's just remind everyone what Towards Zero Deaths is all about. That, that's a great question, and I really am appreciating the, the opportunity just to quickly say it's a traffic safety program, and what we really want to do is prevent the next crash from happening in any way we can. Uh, frequently, what the TZD program uh, aims to know uh, for the public is there's four pillars. There's education. That's kind of what we're doing today, even. There's enforcement, which uh, that's that's going to be out there finding those behaviors that are not consistent with what the infrastructure or the road statutes uh, need. There's engineering, where uh, our folks are looking at trying to make a system that is safe, that it's uh, um, be able to remove that human component where we're going to make errors and cause crashes. Uh, and, and emergency medical trauma services, our last E, uh, and that's kind of the after crash, but the statewide trauma system calls for a prevention effort. And uh, I've mentioned this before, but leading cause of death in Minnesota ages 5 to 34 is traffic crashes. So we, we really do look for ways to prevent these from happening. And this year has been a tragic year. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, well, maybe talk more about that in a moment. But let's also uh, talk about uh, some of the things that are happening at the legislature right now, because there are some uh, changes that have happened in a few laws and some clarifications. Correct. Yes. And just this is trying to be high level and, and I'm, I'm not a legislative liaison, but I will say uh, for the awareness of the public, um, the DWI law, for one, has an expansion where where we used to see if someone was involved in a snowmobile or, or off-road vehicle or boating, <clears throat> excuse me, boating incident and, and they were impaired or they were just impaired while operating, that would uh, not necessarily affect them the same as if they were behind the wheel on the road. Today, those have been lined up. Um, they've, they looked at what happened in uh, a number of instances where the repercussions did not match um, what statute maybe should have indicated at that point. And, you know, if someone's impaired driving off-road, on-road, that, that should be the same. So today uh, the laws line up, and if you're behind the wheel of a snowmobile or the handlebars at that point or the boat or the car, it's going to be the same consequences you face. Interesting. It is. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's not something I think everybody may be caught, and I just want to make sure it was out there. Uh, not that you should be looking at the two differently, Plan ahead, make good choices, but um, be aware that uh, that's a behavior that they'll be looking for, and that's the way it'll end up. Okay. Anything else that the legislature may have done or clarified, if you will? There are uh, a couple of things, and then I, I want to bring up a couple from last year just to keep them on the on the forefront. Uh, the use of shoulders by horse and buggy. Um, up until this year, it's a, a horse and buggy is considered a vehicle, and to allow for them to use the shoulder, which would make sense for a five to seven mile an hour vehicle, it, it you close the gap on that vehicle pretty quick on the approach. Yeah. And uh, the intention here is so that if uh, there's a safer place for that vehicle to operate, they can get off the road. And and uh, much like bicycles, bicycles have the same exemption that they're able to use bicycles if you're mounted. Um, on the bicycle, you're considered a vehicle. That's why the issues of crossing the road, you know, you have to walk your bike across if if you want the right-of-way at that point like a pedestrian would. So the horse and buggy, um, that use of the shoulder is something else that's new this year. And then what that will in, in turn do is uh, create the first Minnesota horse and buggy manual. Uh, we'll be soliciting input. We want to make sure that this is, you know, 
the best first version of anything. Uh, but that'll probably be iterative. We'll probably have to make some adjustment. But what we want is some way to predict um, for both the, the horse and buggy and for the, the motor vehicle to understand how each are going to interoperate on that same road. Yeah, so um, in parts of the state, there's a lot of horse and buggies on the road. There are, yeah. And, and you're right. There's no turn signals. So um, I know I've encountered some before, and I have often slowed down, and I'm wondering, okay, do I pass? What, what's going yeah. on here? So, yeah, this will help, won't it? it? It should help clarify just some of what our responsibilities are to each other. And it's kind of like the roundabout. I think things work when we realize, okay, we're, we're both in a shared interest of not crashing our vehicle here. But um, when we have some prediction of knowing, at least in the roundabout, we know everybody's going in the same direction or should be. <laughs> um, we don't necessarily have that right now with horse and buggy. So where the term learning curve came yeah, from. Yeah, <laughs> that might be it. Yeah, that might be it. In a roundabout, yeah. And I, I guess just a couple of old things, um, not that old, but hands-free law. Remember, if even if you're at a stop sign or a stoplight, that's not the time to pick up the phone. Um, you're in traffic at that point, which means you're subject to the hands-free law. You should not be on your phone at that point. One touch is uh, the only uh, statute allowed uh, hands-free operation, which is not technically hands-free, but if you have to touch the button once so that you can answer the call, shut the call off. That's one touch. Other than that, shouldn't be in the hand. And you're right. I uh, I think all of us have uh, been at a stoplight and you immediately see people looking down and even sometimes the light will change and they're still sitting there because you know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> they're checking that cell phone. There's but. lots of jokes and, and, and ways to go around that. But in, in the end, we all know the story. We know what's going on. And, and hold Abbott's die hard. There's that issue. Along with um, maybe you don't believe in it, but what happens uh, in a good example there is that someone realizes they're late for the light and then crushes the gas pedal and realizes they're in the wrong spot because they weren't late for the light. They just thought the car's moving around them. And we've had incidents where cars have pulled out and been struck by another vehicle because they they thought they were late um, because they weren't paying attention and then tried to react. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The other law last year that uh, passed was about the slower traffic keeping to the right on highways and, and roadways like correct, that? Correct, correct. They called it the slowpoke law. And I think there's some confusion around it, but the, the, we don't have a right lane law in Minnesota or a, an a only for passing law. But I think for, for ease and for maybe some road rage reduction, um, if you're in the left lane, the anticipation is that is the lane that you're going to be moving around traffic. It's not a lane to speed in, but it is the lane that would be uh, used for that. There are times when maybe right lane traffic is turning, you would move over to the left lane. There's a lot of reasons that we don't really want to have that left lane being dedicated only to passing. But the slowpoke law is designed so that we keep traffic in the right lane and and that the faster moving traffic can move around that. We do not have a minimum speed limit in Minnesota except on the interstate. So for those that get frustrated with slower traffic, um, we really would encourage those uh, to realize that left lane is for you so that you can go around within the limit and uh, get to your destination safely. It's good you clarify that. I, I hear a lot of different interpretations of that law. It, it does get, become a little muddy, and I think um, it probably will be revised at some point in the future because it is still somewhat confusing. But the intent of the law is what we should be thinking about here and and. I guess our Minnesota nice and our common sense factor here, that's what that left lane, that's what those two lanes are for is to move traffic better. And the right lane should be the the lane that's going to move a little slower. All right. 
Um, You mentioned they were off to a tough start, and I've seen the stats. They were bad last time. I know they didn't get any better in the last month, and we are uh, in that period of time. I think it's called the 100 uh, most dangerous days on the road. You are are correct, yeah. Memorial Day to Labor Day uh, is typically our 100 most traveled, and in Minnesota, uh, it's unfortunately been labeled the 100 deadliest days. This year has been no exception. If we look at the contributing factors to those crashes, um, speed is is remaining to be uh, a, a continued issue, um, and seatbelts. Um, people are not buckling up. Uh, when you combine those two issues, and, and typically risky behavior becomes uh, more comfortable to have more risky behavior, so impairment, uh, belts, speed, distraction, those things are all items that we're aware of, and and. You may only be thinking of how that affects you, and well, you know, if, if I die, you know, that's my that's my thing, or if if I get into a crash, that's my insurance. But it's the other people that uh, become a casualty to your decision that that really brings about that concern. And I know people that have had um, someone else's behavior become a problem for their family, yeah. and that changes their prerogative real quick at that point. Um, so this year, yeah, our numbers. Um, I, I, I I'm going to report to you. They're high. In fact, if we looked at when TZD started in 2003 and we were at, at uh, 650-some deaths a year, uh, the, the, the trajectory was terrible. It was just aiming like the, the graph going back 10 years was just reaching for the stars, and, we, and that, that's the wrong stars to reach for. Um, we have been seeing a lot of progress over the last 15-plus years, and we plateaued over the last couple this year, if we don't see a turnaround, we may undo roughly 15 years of progress and become back closer to where we were at the beginning. Uh, that's a lot of lives lost on our roads. We're, we're nearing the 300 mark, um, wow. which, you know, to, in some ways people may not be impressed by. Well, you know, there's a lot of people driving. That's, that's a lot. Yeah, and you know, in light of COVID and everything else, um, what we need to do is is adhere to those decisions, um, have that conversation, speak up, and change where we're headed. But locally, we're we're not exempt either. Um, in our our kind of five county area, uh, we are up on fatalities as well. Uh, although, as of recently, the Fourth of July and such, those those weekends went pretty well. But we've had a number of roadway incidents that uh, are unnecessary. They don't need to happen. Yeah. Uh, the speeding has just, to me, gotten out of hand because it seems no matter what road you're on, people just don't follow the speed limit. It 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 does appear that there's a, a, a unfortunately wide belief that law enforcement are not stopping cars. And law enforcement continue to report they they're told that. Oh, I didn't think you were stopping cars. I'm going to leave the national law enforcement conversation to the side, or the Minnesota law enforcement conversation to the side, but. Uh, Controlling the behavior on the roadways is something that that highway safety uh, plan in- includes, and that includes enforcement. Right. We need to change that behavior, and sometimes the only way to change the behavior is with the stick. Uh, the carrot isn't always um, enough. Right now, um, there is a challenge. We have shortage of officers and a shortage of, of ability to get out and change that behavior, especially when more people are speeding. Um, if everybody was going the same speed, whatever that speed was, if everyone goes 30, if everyone goes 50, if everyone goes 80, which is not any design speed road in our, in our state, we would actually have very few issues. Uh, well, people would have issues with that. But yeah. reliably, it's that speed differential. When one car is going 60 and everybody else is going 80, that messes things up a little bit. Yeah. Um, and we can't predict that. So that's why we have set statutory limits to what the speed is, and we need you to follow it. 
Tom, I, I, I know I, I've seen some of the crash reports, and I'm always amazed because statistically, I believe the United States and Minnesota in particular are really good about wearing seatbelts. Gosh, you know, we, most people do. In fact, 94, 95% of Minnesotans have buckled up in years past where we've looked at the statistics. We've dropped in the last couple years. Uh, and, and they're looking at maybe some of the issue there could be um, a language barrier or a culture barrier for some of the influx of some of the outside um, um, immigration. But reliably, we have a high seatbelt compliance rate on, until you look at crash statistics. Yes. And when you add in those risk factors, when people are risky, bad things happen. Nearly half of our fatalities year over year are unbelted. Yeah, that's that was my point is even though we have this – great compliance rate, every time I see a crash, I, nine times out of ten, they're saying they weren't wearing a seatbelt. And that was the difference between life and death. It was. It, it, I, uh, too many years of experience on EMS and fire to tell you I've witnessed it firsthand. Um, I can tell you recent crash reports have reflected that as well. I'm not shaming anybody. Uh, it's maybe a belief thing that I, I would like to have that conversation with you about if that was the case. But um, if you're in the vehicle and, and you have little ones in the vehicle and you're not belted, you're a big weight that can get flopped around and, and cause a lot of damage. If you're by yourself uh, and you get pitched out, you may be subject to somebody caring for you in the nursing home the rest of your years. Um, and, and, you know, all of the ways that belts can save you, I've yet to find, and in, in, in lots and lots of crash reports, I've yet to find the one that it harms somebody. There are people that, well, I want to be thrown clear so I don't get caught in the fire. I want to be uh, uh, able to get out of the car in case I have the water uh, issue with the river or the ditch or the lake. And I have lots of pictures of crashes where people escape fire, people escape rollovers, people escape water. I don't have any where it was the bad situation. I don't have it. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but a lot of years of looking at this now doesn't seem to happen. And I, and I think what people forget is uh, the belt in combination with the airbags and the way the cars are designed now, you can survive some pretty horrific crashes as long as you're wearing the belt because that ties in with all the other safety features. That, and if you survive the crash, if your car is on fire, that's when you get out. You know you, what I'm saying? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and it, it's difficult because today when we look at what a vehicle looks like after a crash, we think, oh, junk. You know, this thing just didn't, didn't hold up intentionally, that vehicle is designed to crunch. And in fact, expensive vehicles, the, the higher-end vehicles will really become uh, mangled at the end of a crash. But that's because they're going to absorb all that energy and the person inside didn't intend to crash. Their, nobody intends to crash the car unless you're right. at the demo derby. Um, in this situation, we want that vehicle to absorb that energy and positioning you for that airbag when that seatbelt tightens up. Yeah, it's the magic of all of that engineering coming together. Yeah. All right. Um, last but not least, the distracted driving and impaired driving are the other two major factors, and we we really need to work on those as well. And I think both of them are the most avoidable things you can do behind the wheel. There are things you can do to prevent or protect yourself from these issues, one of which uh, is planning ahead. And it, it seems like broken record right now, so I, I apologize for the listeners. Uh, but if, if drinking is part of the plan or other forms of impairment, that's not my job to talk about, um, is, is to make sure that you don't plan to be behind the wheel. Because even if you're not the cause uh, or the initiator of the crash, 
you're going to be partially responsible for that crash if you are impaired. And and that may may not seem fair, but tra- real story is, don't be impaired behind the wheel. Don't be on the road. It's it's not fair to the public, uh, and it's it's it shouldn't be something as part of your plan. And as far as what you do for distraction, there are apps, there are ways to control. It's a hard thing to break. Everyone wants to be in touch. Uh, the vehicles are making it harder actually to be less in tune. Um, but you can do it if you want to. Yeah, well said. Tom, we're out of time, but I thank you for being here today to talk about traffic safety, and let's hope the second half of the year is a lot safer than the first. Yeah, that would be a, a great finish. Yeah, absolutely. And and this opportunity um, to you and, and the radio station here is much appreciated because the public, um, we don't get this everywhere else. Thank you very, very much. You're very welcome. Tom Nixon, our guest today. Tom is the regional coordinator for Towards Zero Deaths. I'm Ken Thomas, and that is today's edition of Community Focus. Our Community Focus programs are available anytime. They're on our website. Just go to 1067wjjy.com. You'll also find them on our free mobile app powered by Cuyuna Regional Medical Center.